didn't want us to talk about the expansion. They shouldn't have sent us the Captain Kirk expansion for Squadrons. It's their own fault, really. <laughs> uh, I was more of a fan of the uh, Picard one, too. Well, that's not till next year. Oh, shit, we're live. Oh, are we live? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's NDA, guys. You can't talk about that. <laughs> Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tapcalf Transmissions, still the only Star Wars podcast from all of our research. Joining me for this episode, as always, first off, we have my co-host, good friend, and gooder boy, Mr. Eckhart Slatter. How are you doing, Eck? I was doing pretty good until you called me a good boy. I don't like that. Then don't use the dog profile picture. We've been over this. And yeah. second, we have our a return of our first guest. His record mm -hmm. in the Schmodown is only beaten by his record <laughs> against Eckhart Slatter in Star Wars Squadrons. Star Wars Explained. Alex, how are you doing? I mean... That's funny, but it's incorrect. Ek, Ek retaliated by sending me video footage of him just slaughtering me. See, I've only seen the video footage of you killing him, so as far yeah, as I'm that's concerned. All you need. Yeah. Like... And there's like 16 minutes of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to your Q&A video, Alex, at like the exact moment that you were like, oh, this is me killing Eckhart's ladder. So mm -hmm. I figured that was a shit for someone who's eventually or essentially scrawny Star Wars explained, Corey. <laughs> Before Star Wars explains, so <laughs> I thought you were gonna make something, some sort of joke about uh, me not playing Squadrons at all yet. But even though yeah. you told me right before that you were gonna make that joke, this was pre-planned material. I wouldn't use my uh, my privilege in that way. You can only work off a script. But today yeah. we are talking about Star Wars Alphabet Squadron mm -hmm. Shadowfall. This is technically my copy. Uh, it has a lot of other books in it too. But uh, yeah, any hey, any news you want to talk about? Here I can first? show off the yeah the actual cover. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, any news we want to talk about first? Uh, not really. First of all, I'm feeling a little not sick, just stuffed up. So if you guys watch or listen to this entire podcast, you'll probably hear a really epic voice crack at one point. <laughs> so make More sure you get to usual. the end. And uh, yeah, let me know which one is your favorite down in the comments or the podcast comments. Make sure to leave a timestamp so we can all. See it. Mm -hmm. We'll put it in a highlight reel at the end of the end of the year. Top ten Eckert's voice cracks. Other than that, we did sort of mess up last episode. So our original plan was to do a rank, a re-ranking of everything we've read so far, but it turned out that that Thursday fell on the same day as the Halo Infinite reveal. We were going to put our um, live reaction to that up as a podcast, but it just didn't really work that well. So, unfortunately, no episode last week, but we will make it up next week. We're going to do the um, the ranking then. And then what's the plans for after that, Corey? I can't remember. Uh, I don't think we've picked a book for the following episode, but the episode after that, we're going to do the uh, general Star Wars TV show episode because mm -hmm. uh, that was actually the one we missed last week. So your retraction, oh, okay, right. your correction needed a correction. This will just mm -hmm. all be covered in the highlight video at the end of the year as well. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we won't be ranking this book uh, at the end of the episode because that would probably be mean to Alex. Uh, I guess he could just rank between Wraith Squadron and Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> those, yeah, so mm -hmm. let us know what you think there. Do you have an opinion on how Alphabet Squadron so far is compared to the X-Wing books? Uh, I am still like, I think X-Wing is always going to kind of win mm -hmm. out for me. I don't, I don't know that I see any book topping that. Uh, I, I am, I will fully admit I'm a sucker for nostalgia and like what drew me into something in the first place. So 
I'm an original trilogy stan all the way, and the X-Wing books were some of my first Star Wars books, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. ones that really made me love reading about Star Wars. So I think those are probably always going to be my top. So did you have expectations going into Alphabet Squadron that it would be a certain way based off that, or were you kind of open for it to just be its own thing? I think just seeing how the rest of the newer books had gone, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, all that much like the old X-Wing books. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I would say that uh, they are, but Mm -hmm. I still really, really like reading about flying. I mean, the first few pages of this one, and it's just like Will Lark and his Mm A-Wing, and just the way Alexander Freed writes about him flying, I was like, oh, this feels good. This feels like... (laughs) reading uh back in middle school the first x-wing books you could read in middle, middle school <laughs> i am yeah, it's rare for an american but <laughs> oh that's what i meant but there we go uh i have to agree i i, I really enjoyed the space comet a lot more in this book i've kind of uh we talked about this the last time we covered alphabet squadron i was really put off by the book the first time i read it and then i came to like it like a lot last time and i for me at least this book was actually an improvement in almost every aspect um it was a little more self-contained which i didn't like um but i thought the setting was cool enough and it was kind of cool to be on like basically shit coruscant (laughs) for a long time (laughs) um and yeah that that first scene where they're flying through and it's like like actually a really large-scale battle and they're trying to take this planet and they're doing attack runs on walkers and stuff that was really cool yeah, I didn't expect... So when they started talking about, oh, we're going to start going for Coruscant soon, I almost expected uh, halfway through the book, they're just getting to invading Troyth. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to be this little middle section, and then the rest of the book's going to be preparing for Coruscant. But the the majority of the book really is just mm-hmm. what happens after that initial invasion. And that's kind of different from what we see in a lot of Star Wars books, especially if you're kind of basing your pacing expectations off of X-Wing. Uh, where mm-hmm. usually it'll be battle one section, battle two section, battle three, end of book. Uh, with it, it's a bit less formulaic than that. But if you were trying to make like a general idea of what the pacing was, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there's like the the way the book is structured is kind of interesting. I, I actually, it's a bit of a refreshing um, experience compared to the other X-wing books and um, Alphabet Squadron, which are basically. You have one mission that starts the book off, usually pretty separate from the others. Then you've got an eventual goal and sort of three missions to get to the end of that is usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, in this book, there's kind of the main plot is that Alphabet Squadron is trying to track and capture Shadow Squadron or kill Shadow Squadron. So they set this trap on uh, the, the, the in the system they're in. Shadow Squadron shows up, they completely skip the trap and just end up routing basically the New Republic there. And then the rest of the book is kind of everyone just coming back together in the aftermath of that. It's definitely much more character driven mm-hmm. than uh, plot driven. Like, And that's something I know we've talked about this probably in the Raid Squadron uh, episode where, mm-hmm. you know, when the books were like the backbone of star wars storytelling Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's kind of where you had to see things happen and they were like yeah the first two books are about rogue squadron taking coruscant like that's the plot and when you go into alphabet squadron it's like yeah it's about them hunting 
uh shadow wing or squadron or whatever they are and mm-hmm. uh but it's so so much about the characters and just what they're all doing and going through yeah and these are some really complicated characters too because i kind of thought after the first book that they were on their way to healing like most of the wounds but by the end of this book most of them i guess besides nath is in a better place and will is in a better place i would say or in an equal place as he was in the last episode but like erica you know spoiler alert she decides to join <laughs> back up with shadowing um which is probably not pretty epic for everyone else in her squad um and then yeah it's just kairos is some sort of lizard thing <laughs> and chat chas is in a, still in a really rough spot i really like chas's storyline actually because she is dealing with this like childhood trauma and it's kind of hard to actually read how this cult she joins like what their actual intentions are because everything is seen through um her kind of perspective i wonder if that's going to come back at all if that cult is something that's building or were they just in the Troy area and then we're going to leave them and we'll never see him again. Yeah. I feel like it was kind of just there for the Chas mm. backstory. I don't know. Maybe it'll be like a general theme and we'll see other cults like that in the galaxy or non Jedi religious force mm-hmm. groups uh, that kind of tie into what Chas is doing, or we'll even get the one that she was part of, which I think would be the most likely outcome there, but I don't know if we'll get yeah, the, followers or children of the corn i forget what it was like dead sun or cold sun or something it's definitely the children of the corn okay we're gonna stick with that for the rest of the episode the corn the children of the corn, <laughs> corn. <laughs> those great x-wing tie-ins that we have so um, actually on that just with uh with erica and x-wing tie-ins did either of you kind of get uh Tycho vibe from her in some parts of that there was part where she was flying that shuttle and it felt kind of like that battle where uh Tycho yeah. was still under suspicion and he ends up saving Corin with just the tractor beams on mm-hmm. the shuttle because he wasn't allowed to use armed stuff yeah so that that kind of gave me Tycho vibes there yeah except she was actually guilty and Tycho yeah. wasn't <laughs> yeah. well it's, it's an interesting parallel especially yeah. when like yeah she's thrown under suspicion because they just found out mm-hmm. that she was like going along with operation cinder and everything mm-hmm. uh yeah i i hadn't really made that connection that's good it, that like bit alone does kind of show the difference between the two books mm-hmm. because i don't know if there is like a clean redemption for erica quell she's actually a really well written and very tragic character because there's just probably no coming back from what she did. Like, I don't think her, like I was kind of waiting for the point that she does something or that there's one thing that lets her redeem herself within her squad. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I think she might end up as a tragic dead character at the end of the next book. At least I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Like the, so the chapter where she is uh, basically trying to break into that uh, observatory or yeah. citadel whatever you want to call that like it, it basically i totally agree it's a tragic thing but i feel like it was basically forcing her to go to the dark side in order mm-hmm. to survive mm-hmm. uh and i wonder if that tower was like influencing her and if that's what drove her to join the empire mm-hmm. again and maybe it'll wear off or or maybe it just did 
inundate her with like look how terrible you were and look at how much mm-hmm. pain you've caused and she's like you know what you're right like why try to pretend to be anything else yeah i, I kind of i kind of got the opposite feeling from that whole section where like ito and the temple were forcing her to look into the things that she had done which she had always tried to like pass off as like it happened but this isn't my responsibility i'm trying to do something else now it was more that she was running away and uh whatever her redemption arc would be she can't be redeemed until she starts taking responsibility for the things she did and Mm -hmm. that was the farthest thing from her mind because throughout the first book and a good part of the second it was just how can i stop karen from telling people what i've done but now he told everyone she had to face it internally. And uh, I got more the feeling that she was going back to Shadow Wing as kind of a saboteur situation because she understands that her squadron is not going to trust her anymore. Hmm. I think there's potential for that, definitely. Yeah. But you bring up a good point. Like, I do wonder if her, her defection and then her staying with the New Republic, it's like, it does feel like it's a lot about just survival, me doing mm-hmm. what I have to do to survive and not doing what I'm doing because it's the right thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely still room for improvement for her. I feel like a lot of the book, to me, what I picked up on is about kind of vilifying your enemies or not understanding them at the very least. Um, because the reason why... What's his name again? The Imperial Ace. Um, Ace Soren Keys? Yeah, Soren Keys, which is a good, a really good Star Wars name. Um, the reason why Soren Keys is back is basically because the New Republic just won't let him live his life. Um, yeah. And, like, Erika did the wrong thing, but ultimately she was put in a really tough position because no one's expecting to, you know, she was in a basically a family, and it's, it's hard to break away from your family, even if you are doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no one kind of understands, everyone's vilifying, you know, Shadowing is, is vilifying Alphabet Squadron. There's a really good example of how Alphabet Squadron vilifies Shadow Wing at the very end um, when basically they're trying to secure this facility to escape the planet. And um, Alphabet Squadron thinks that Shadow Wing is trying to secure the planet to um, try to perhaps detonate something in the core, which will cause it to just, you know, a massive cataclysm, like an Operation Cinder-esque event. Um, And it's like... When you, because we did get to see a bit from Shadowing's perspective this time, and you find out that yeah, they're Imperials, and you know they're probably not doing the right thing, but most of them had reservations about Operation Cinder, but most of them, you know, have kind of been indoctrinated and are in this really tight knit fighter squadron or fighter wing. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of feel like maybe it's just that force which is driving her back towards the end. I didn't really get the feeling that she was going back as an undercover agent, although I wouldn't be surprised if that's what ends up happening, I guess. I, I think they left plenty of room for it to go, however. Mm-hmm. I, I was un- I'm was i with you. I was under the same impression that she's just going back, but if the very first page of the next book says like she's sabotaging something, I'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, because she, she's just not a very strong character in a lot of ways, or at least she lacks certain convictions. Like we see that a lot in the last book, uh, or maybe she's just human, I guess. Um, but she's a really interesting character. Yeah, quite, I quite like her. And I will say, I found this book was much less, one of my main problems. And I think one of the things that really turned me off the last book was just, it was very melodramatic in the way it was written. Um, like, and I, I noticed there was very, a lot less of that in this book, which I really 
kind of helped me get through it. I definitely think they uh, stepped it up a little bit, or Alexander Freed, like he he made some changes from the first book that I really liked. Mm -hmm. uh, a big one being uh, Grandmother, I didn't feel like was a very compelling villain in the I first know. book. She just wasn't around much. Uh, but he was building up Soren that whole time. She was and an then, absentee yeah. grandmother, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Soren is in this book a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that he really uh, improved in that area. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit uh, frustrated at how closely, like it just all takes place on this one planet or in one yeah. system. We talked about that, I think, right after the book came out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I tend to want things to be bigger in star wars books because mm, that's too. what legends was but uh i fortunately alexander freed said that his plan for the third one is for it to be the big space opera so like books one and two are really about the characters but mm. we know them now and yeah. book three is going to be like the big one so that's exciting yeah and I, I can actually see you know if, if it does end up that will or somebody kills eric i can see that being pretty emotional because they ha he has put in the work for a good payoff at this point um like it, it will killing erica would be rough yeah for sure i feel like chas would kill her she would do it no problem i think yeah. no like, I, I feel like if someone from alphabet squadron kills erica it's gonna be chas or they're all gonna like hold hands and kill her together i don't know well, i just think be it'll fun. be will because the whole series seems to be kind of about just how all these people get swept up in war so it'd be Interesting to see the person who'd want to do it less have to do it, I guess. Well, I mean, he's my favorite character of the squad so far. I really loved in the first book when he tried to uh, communicate with, excuse me, Shadowwing and <laughs> like just talk to them. And mm -hmm. it didn't work out. And then it did at the end. But then it kind of comes back to bite him in this one. Like yeah. they know that they can kind of mess with him. I so, think they need a bit more payoff on that point. Yeah, it didn't really. Like yeah. that one pilots like about will lark i have an idea and i yeah. don't know what Maybe i was waiting for something later. like yeah. i was waiting when like when he was trying to contact shadow wing at the end i thought that was when the plan was kind of gonna um form but what do you I guys think of yeah stopped it yeah exactly that's true well it was just that, that was he was that blink was getting uh will and nath to kind of turn around and go back to the yeah. lodestar which yeah. nath kind of wanted to do anyways to say it was the 204 so mm -hmm. that yeah what did you guys think of of um soren keys like 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 his uh there's that voice rock um uh -huh. <laughs> so like do you find soren keys kind of return to the empire convincing um because it he doesn't seem like he enjoys killing like he's not kind of torn up in the same way but that erica is um but i don't know like I just I just don't think that him being tracked by the New Republic in the last book is I don't know if that's convincing reason for him to return and lead the the wing and stuff. I I guess I bought it. I mean, mm -hmm. but again, I get I think it's kind of like Erica where it's just a this is a survival thing. Yeah. I'll do true. what I have to do and yeah, he's not thrilled about it, but mm. maybe he just feels like he doesn't have anywhere else to go. Uh, I don't think he's he's definitely not like fully on board with the Operation Cinder stuff. He kind of hates mm -hmm. the uh, Emperor droid thing, the Sentinel. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that's an interesting point because yeah, he's not reveling in anything. I'm really curious to see if we see battle the Battle of Jakku in the third book. 
Mm-hmm. I would, would love to see him like to just squad wipe a uh, <laughs> a rebel fighter squadron because he is described as like a phenomenal pilot. Like he does like a scrimmage against the other shadowing pilots, and doesn't he say he would have killed like seven or something? Which is yeah. standard to when he was you know actually leading the squadron during the war. These are like the best, some of the best pilots in the empire. So he's he's a he's a real madman. <laughs> What were your general thoughts on the book, though, Corey? Like, did you prefer this one to the last one, or? Like, looking back now, I think I prefer the first one, but this one made me appreciate the first one more. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I think there are parts of this that have a bit of the usual, like, second in a trilogy, a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, setup for what's going to happen, or just the character development alone, which, uh, plot-wise means that if I'm going to go back and read one of them, it'll probably be the first one, and that's kind of how mm-hmm. I rank that. But I still really enjoyed it. So I think when we go back and do our re-rankings, that'll probably bump the first one up a fair bit, mm-hmm. and then this will kind of slide in where the first one was. Mm-hmm. But the really the one issue that I was having with this one was that there are so many points where characters could die, but you kind of knew they didn't. Mm-hmm. And it would happen repeatedly to the point that I kind of started thinking that a lot of the main characters were just immortal and I knew Kairos would be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just Karen and Ito where that was where something finally happened as a consequence as far as their lives go. Like they had a lot of personal emotional consequences, mm-hmm. but uh there were probably five or six times where people were in a situation where they're like, oh, are they dead? No, no, we, we know they're not dead. And then... Call that the rise of Skywalker syndrome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Karen had a really good death, though. Yeah. Um, oh, I, yeah, it was very good. Um, he was a, a really interesting character. I would have even liked to hear more about his time in that Imperial prison. Um, mm-hmm. But that there have been some really good moments of like complete isolation from the war in both of these books that I thought were handled really well. The first one has that, uh, the moon they go to at the Jedi temple. That's probably my favorite part of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this one, the, the, the planet, they, the little planetoid they end up on is like very almost otherworldly. And the book just does a really you great mean job. You the, mean the new continuity that the sequel trilogy is in? No, sorry. That's else worlds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why are you bringing this shit onto this onto the podcast? Corey? Sorry, because it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how Kathleen Kennedy was there inside that Sith temple. <laughs> she actually came fully formed in 2014. Never did anything before then. She is a Sith construct. So, um, but yeah, it was. I really enjoyed that section. Um, I was a little less interested in what the other characters are doing especially actually yeah i just i just wasn't as interested in the other characters but they all had pretty good kind of individual storylines i guess i i totally agree with you on that kind of the break from the war stuff whenever they would sit down and chat with uh like the 61st which was fun Mm -hmm. that connection back to twilight company Mm -hmm. uh i always like when he'll like describe a character enough so that you're like oh it's that person for battlefront that's cool um but yeah anytime the characters get like a little time to breathe 
I feel like he handles it really, really well, especially mm -hmm. when uh, even minor characters. Uh, I remember in the first Alphabet Squadron book when it, we were first meeting Will and Chas, and we also got to meet the rest of their squadrons. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I like all these characters. And then they were like <laughs> dying every single chapter. Uh, I, I think he handles those smaller side characters really well. I do like how like Renunja still gets brought up occasionally or like um, they didn't just ignore that, which is one thing that you can maybe argue with the X-Wing series. There's so much action in there that like individual battles sort of lose their legendary status where like the chase through the orbital cluster is mentioned like a dozen times in this book. Mm -hmm. which which was cool i thought i guess in the timeline it hasn't been that long mm -hmm. whereas the x-wing books span a little more time yeah for but... sure yeah this is timeline. only a couple months after endor now like it can't be that long because jakku hasn't happened yet I, yeah no i think it's about six months so how does after, this timeline like, work right, in right with the three. with aftermath alex because Basically, the final one of the big reveals at the end is that um, Shadow Wing is being called in by Ray Sloan. Um, mm -hmm. So, do you know anything about that? Because you're much better on the sort of canon continuity than I am. I haven't read a Aftermath in like three years. So, yeah, I think they kind of line up with each other. Where the I think the first Alphabet Squadron is a little before the first Aftermath. I would mm -hmm. guess that uh, Shadow Falls about the same time as okay. Life Debt. I like they they don't make it clear. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing let's say 6 months like right in between that there was a point where yeah, Ray Sloan makes that call and I thought for a second it was like let's go to the unknown regions and I was like, "Oh damn, <laughs> we're we're jumping way ahead," but I was, was kind of disappointed that that wasn't the case cuz I don't really need to see the Battle of Jakku again. I'd mm -hmm. love to see uh, maybe Shadow Wing get the invitation to the Unknown Regions and yeah, that'd be cool. Soren's like, mm, no, I, I want to see how he handles something like that. So Alphabet so, Squad but... 3 is actually going to be the main battle is Exegol because we know that <laughs> some Alphabet Squadron was there. That would be interesting because the, the book kind of sets up like there's a difference between the truly evil Imperials, like the ones who do things like, um, you know, that they, they kill planets and whatever else. And those are the ones who would um be taken to exegol i guess and then there's just everybody else who is... man that would be crazy though if the third book were like a 30 year thing i'd be i'd be in for that i, I, I would have seen your quell for 30 years like no. and then they get the call to go to exegol and they're like really again like <laughs> God, imagine imagine how brittle a 60-year-old Erica would be. <laughs> brittle in every scene she's she's in. Nath, Nath is older than Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that that would be cool though. I'd be I'd be in for that. So, I don't remember Alex and maybe you do. How does Aftermath handle Operation Cinder because that's before the Aftermath trilogy, right? Uh it, it all came out like right at the same time. So the aftermath mm -hmm. book came out and then I think operation cinder was introduced in shattered empire. Oh, okay. But then after that, so life debt and mostly, uh, empire's end empire's end deals with operation cinder a lot. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was kind of like all leading to the battle of Jakku and it was the purposeful destruction of both, uh, like the empire and rebellious worlds and just trying mm -hmm. to bring it all tumbling down. 
Um, it is interesting how much um, continuity we're getting with that. I mean, we've had mentions of the um, observatories and stuff. I kind of thought that Lucasfilm might just sort of ditch that plot line now because I, I don't know. I, I just thought maybe they'd think people don't care about it or whatever, but they put in a lot of work early on in the EU to, you know, sort of establish that stuff and even had an appearance in Battlefront 2. So I'm kind of glad they're doing more on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they knew that, I mean, it's kind of like Lost and the Island and the Hatch. And now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there's other hatches. Uh, <laughs> so I think they knew that something like that would be a little breadcrumb they could drop every now and then where you're like, oh, it's another observatory. What's inside this one? And yeah. we don't get to see in Shadowfall, except we know there's a ship. But yeah, it, it's it's just... <laughs> I guess an easy little thing to pick back up on and easily get excitement. Yeah, I mean, they can very easily describe it too as that's how Palpatine, um, that's how he found Exegol or whatever else he used the observatories. Because mm-hmm. there is even a, from what I remember, there is something about that in uh, Aftermath. I think that's how Thrawn got his first uh, name drop in the EU, if I remember correctly. But Uh they say something I, about... I think I think they knew he was coming back. I think they had announced mm-hmm. he would be returning, but I think you're right. Oh yeah, that... maybe the Rebels trailer or something had come out by then. But then they were like, "Yeah, we can talk about him in yeah. books and stuff." Yeah. So... I I I do wonder about that because I mean, Chuck Wendig did a lot of things that are little possibilities that some are followed up on and some aren't. So on Jakku, he mentions like a really tall blonde girl that they recruit as like one of the first new era of stormtroopers mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, he's clearly trying to say that this could be Phasma, but then that's obviously wiped away by the book Phasma. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think Chuck was just trying to drop little things here and there to say like, could be, doesn't have to be. Uh, and then Lucasfilm is picking up on what they like and leaving what they don't. Yeah. I wish he would have left the uh, fall of Coruscant alone. Where it ends up being, doesn't he end up having it largely due to some twelve-year-olds who got in like a vent in the Imperial Palace? <laughs> well, even then, it's like I, I don't think they did much. It's most mm-hmm. mostly just Masamita decides to surrender, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's not that exciting, <laughs> especially not compared to the old X-wing books. Yeah, yeah. There's no like uh, virus that's having people's skin fall off so not quite as cool yeah so who even cares <laughs> i don't think releasing that book now movie. would be a great <laughs> publicity move <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe not um what did you guys think another issue i guess i had with the book is i didn't find alphabet squadron's plan to be very convincing um like first of all having shadowing bite the like the the bait to attack the planet alone seems as you know kind of like like there's a lot of jumps even if you are feeding intelligence to the intelligence to the enemy i think then i guess i I never really got a good idea of why they think they'll take this bait on the moon specifically if that makes any sense it did seem like a lot of hoops to jump through Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it didn't work so yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) My bigger issue uh, with the plan, like I'm fine with just going with there's parts of the plan that we didn't have space to talk about. So there was probably more to how they dropped that intelligence. I'm fine making that assumption. But uh, Keyes' reasoning for doing, like I, if I was part of Shadowing, I wouldn't have trusted him when he turned back up. And when mm. everything just immediately goes to shit, I would have been pretty out on him. Like 
Yeah. Man, wouldn't that have been interesting if like he and Erica switched places? That would be interesting. <laughs> I was kind of expecting something like that actually, but the, yeah, they do end up kind of taking him back in. Um He's a he's an interesting character though, and it was it was nice to get the the uh, Imperial perspective. I don't I can't say I care too much about any of the specific Imperial pilots though. They kind of just enter the the void for me. Yeah, this is cranky Imperial. This is, you know, <laughs> good flying Imperial. <laughs> I'm holding out hope for Blink. I, I still, <laughs> I, I want redemption for Blink. Well, yeah. what was the name of the one uh, with Chass in the cult that wasn't oh, yeah. that Blink? Yeah, I think it was. Blink. Was that Blink? That was Blink. Yeah, because she had the the uh, the voice box. Right, uh, Sadia Nettis. I, mm-hmm. I think I mean her actual name. Yeah. Do you have notes? notes? No. <laughs> I'm impressed. We usually do, but I don't know. I just felt like Will Larking this one and just flying with my heart instead of my mind. With these know? books, it there was, it felt like the themes were clear and strong enough that I didn't need to have like page notes of like where Corin slept with a with an otter. But... <laughs> yeah, if we could use like one character's perspective to rank the attractiveness of all the women, like you can in the X Wing book. Then maybe notes would be. That's needed, what's but... really missing from this. <laughs> that little Michael Stackpolean, uh, you know, sex. You know, I will say I do kind of forget until it happens that like Will's a bit of a ladies' man. Like, yeah, he he does. He, the first time we meet him in Alphabet Squadron, he's like waking up with somebody, and then in mm-hmm. this one, he's like being a little flirt. But <laughs> he just spends so much time fighting; he doesn't have the time. Yeah, Nath yeah, tries to set even... him up with one of the soldiers at one point. Yeah, Nath's I feel like, like, hey, like, go take care of that. And Will's like, all right. <laughs> I feel like Freed kind of backs down on being uh, clear on what's happening anywhere because you get euphemisms that may or may not be euphemisms. Like, I can't believe I shared her bunk, which, like, that could mean something. It could have just meant that they were sleeping on the ground and on the bed, like what we saw. But mm-hmm. in most situations, that would be a euphemism. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It's just weird. Like, there's no real reason to back down from it. Because, like, in the YA books, like, everyone's getting laid. Yeah. The yeah. young adult books have more of that than the adult books. Lost yeah. Stars has, like, the two main yeah. characters having, like, a a bang session that had been in the works for, like, 20 years. And, like... It was pretty hot, not gonna lie. I'm still I'm still used to like talking like I'm on my channel. <laughs> That's just, I was trying to avoid saying bang sesh, but I'm glad you're here. We talked about the Salonian fuckholes that uh <laughs> Just for the podcast, on the actual yeah. videos we do, we don't do this. We just we still get uh, well, a few when emails I cover about the swarm war, I am gonna talk about the giant bug orgies that they have. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I I've known friends who just like get drunk and borrow each other's beds while the other person sleeps on the floor and it's never been a huge emotional thing so the fact that this had such an impact for chas mm. like <laughs> I, I don't know if something happened or what yeah do you think i mean did your buddy ever wake up in your guest bed and then the next morning be like i can't believe i shared your bunk <laughs> <laughs> really yeah, it's <laughs> not that big of a deal man. <laughs> oh you're welcome to it anytime <laughs> look my whole family's here and i just asked if he wanted some toast 
I do like, on that note, I do like um, Chas's, like, she's struggling with dependency and whatnot, and I thought that was interesting. And it almost kills her because she wakes up after having basically flown around the sector doing nothing and drinking all night. There's this huge battle, and she's like, shit, I've got no fuel left because I was out hot rotting last night. <laughs> yeah, and then Quell gets to basically do exactly what she was planning to do just better and successfully. Yeah, she eats a rock at it, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's I always appreciate like the creative uh, <laughs> tactics mm. that are written into the in any of the X-Wing books. All of them really do mm. it. But anytime you can find a weird way to blow up another ship, it's always fun. I really, really liked the battle uh, between the Lodestar and the ISD. Um, I thought it was really cool. And they both hit the planetary shield. I really, mm. really disliked this audiobook. Because the narrator just was not good. Alex, you were saying, because I told you her name, and you said she played Aunt Beru, I, I think. Um, I I don't remember who was narrating it, and I must have Googled her when you told me. Okay, but... Yeah, like, she, it's just like an old lady. Like, she would have been perfect for grandmother, but especially for the, the, the guy characters, it just ends up making everyone sound very weird. Um... But the part where like the two ships crash into the planetary shield, they've got like this awesome soundtrack and there's like a big sound effect and stuff. Isn't um, just her doing like <laughs> <laughs> No, it was it was really good. Um and that whole battle I thought was cool. Um it's nice to see I like when especially more of the military focused Star Wars has these moments where like there is something like a planetary shield and like that impacts the battle in a big way because it just makes you know makes it a bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. So I was a fan of that. It's it's fun in the books where they they do get to take the time to set up, you know, what a planetary shield does and yeah. what it's good for and what it can't like stand up to and in the movies it's just like a reason to put ATATs on the ground. <laughs> yeah. like, well, we can't shoot it from the sky. There's a shield. I decided that shields in Star Wars make absolutely no sense because oh, no. ships are supposed to have these shields you can't fly through, but like everyone flies through them all the time. And you can't shoot lasers into them, but you can shoot them out. Yeah, that's the other <laughs> thing. Like, are they, we supposed to believe that they're putting the shield down for a second before the lasers go out? Like, and if, if, if certain authors had written that scene from The Last Jedi or, you know, even episode three where Kylo Ren goes through that shield, like he would have just splattered. So I, I don't know. I can't figure it out. <laughs> the the more you try to actually make Star Wars make sense, the more insane you go. Yeah, so. try balancing a stupid RTS over it and having people tell you, oh, it's actually supposed to go through shields for 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> but there's my favorite example of shield weirdness is the Corellian trilogy where Han is testing the shields and mm. he just sets the Falcon down in the hangar on the shields. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't know that that ever comes up anywhere again, but they, it's presented in that book as like a standard shielding test for done by most ships to see how long you can sit on your shields on the ground before they give out. Well, this one has something kind of like that where uh, Will is flying through like a really narrow tunnel and his shields are kind of impacting on the sides mm -hmm. of the wall. Um, it felt to me more like he was using that as a gauge of when he needed to shift yeah. rather than it like bouncing him off. 
Yeah, I just I, mean it's kind of like an example of the shields yeah. interacting with something. I, I think that was more a way of just like building tension in the scene, be like, oh, the cave is yeah. so close, it's knocking off of the shields, but like, yeah, it's just everything works the way it needs to work yeah. in any given moment. No, actually, yeah, Alex, this you may not be aware of this, but this all this actually happened, and we're trying to figure out exactly how it went down. Uh, there's no such thing as an inconsistency in Star Wars. <laughs> Just something we don't understand. Yeah, yet. <laughs> we need the source book. <laughs> well, it's gonna be a good YouTube video, so you guys can laugh all you want. But uh, I'm putting three ads on it. <laughs> <laughs> three ads and three arrows. Actually, I'm 100% working on a video about Star Wars Shields not making sense. So I just want to do a little research mid uh, mid podcast where you guys could think about it too much. <laughs> I'm I'm fine for it. Just uh, send me half that ad red and send me the other half. So <laughs> don't even bother with the video. <laughs> um, Alex, is this your favorite Star Wars canon series right now? I mean, well, how many series have there been? <laughs> uh, yeah. Thrawn, this. Aftermath. Uh, oh, yeah, Aftermath. Yeah, uh, I think so. The Thrawn, I loved the first Thrawn book and didn't really care for Alliances or Treason. Mm -hmm, uh, I really like Empire's End and Life Debt was pretty good and Aftermath was okay. But these are two books that I've been pretty enthusiastic about. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think so. Yeah. This kind of does what I've enjoyed the most with a lot of the new canon stuff because having the original trilogy and then 30 years later knowing exactly what the state of the galaxy is or even having some of the major characters covered in things like rebels where like you know what's going to happen to thrawn so it's hard to do anything in alliances and treason mm -hmm. that it's going to go anywhere uh, mm -hmm. but it's the same kind of thing that i like with rogue one and the mandalorian where it's somewhat connected to what's going on and it gives you an idea of what's going on in the galaxy but as far as the actual specific characters go, they could go any direction. So it's not a foregone conclusion and there's a lot more room to maneuver. Uh, whereas when you stick with those larger characters like Thrawn, then yeah. Well, I feel a bit like, I'm not a bit unsure about the new Thrawn um, trilogy because like, I do wonder how much can happen because we, we know Thrawn's entry point after that into the Empire. We know... I guess we don't really know what happens to the Chiss Ascendancy. Well, do you mean like the, sort of the like one this. that Chaos Rising is starting? or like Yeah. The, okay. Ascendancy Trilogy, I think it's yeah. called. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I do think going to be very, very different than any other new canon book. Um, uh, I'm about a third of the way through it, and so far, I'm really into it. And there have been times where I've been like, I, I forgot I was reading a Star Wars book. And I mean that really? in a good way. Hmm. Like, it's pretty cool and the worry you have i would say i don't have that okay, uh that's good it's it's pretty cool i, I look forward like, to hearing what you think uh, yeah i've read like just, just a couple paragraphs through different points of the book and it does seem like it's almost you monster yeah just, just based on what i read in like the first chapter for example it does seem like it's almost set in a completely different universe because it is um you know it's it's just stuff like it's in the same galaxy, but it seems like it's got a very own thing going on. But I haven't read very yeah. much. Yet. What Justin does is he has a list of keywords that whenever he gets an ebook, he goes and searches for those true. specific things. And if it comes up, mm -hmm. he sees what context it's in. If it doesn't, then he just moves on to the next thing. I'll Can tell I... you that that's a hundred percent true. And I'll tell you what it was for for Thrawn. I looked up 
Grisk. That was my first one. Uh-huh. I looked up Vong, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case, yeah. I looked up Coruscant, Palpatine, um, Outbound Flight, uh, Star Destroyer, Cruiser, Dreadnought. What else was it? But yeah. See, I'm Justin is the first... like one of your keywords. Justin is the first phase of something Google is trying to auto-generate videos. That's why he's never on actual <laughs> video himself, because it just picks up it's those keywords even... and generates the video. Uh, it's not even for videos, because I won't be able to make videos about it forever. Um, it's 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 actually just because I want to know, like, I'm I'm not spoiler-averse, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. Realm of Squadron 2, I looked up um, Mon Calamari Cruiser, Cruiser, Mon Cal, and I told you, Corey, after I got the solicitation copy, I was like, I didn't see Mon Cal show up once in the book. That's a little worrying. Um, and, I, and all the cruisers were cruiser carrier. Um, you know what's interesting, though? Uh, there should have been one MC-75 in there. Yeah. Uh, but they they got the, and now I'm blanking on the name, the Vanguard the, Squadron's uh, cruiser. Yeah. The Nebulon B that, yeah. It, they, they list it as a Nebulon B in the book, but it, should be an MC-75. Yeah, the wiki page is something on that. I guess Matt Martin's clarified, and it's... Because that was the first thing. I was like, Temperance? What? That's... um, But yeah, canonically, it's been changed to an MC-75. I guess they're going to fix that in later editions of the book. Because I was was reading my my early edition, so I was wondering uh, if it was just a mistake, and then I checked the the new one and it was still there, so... It's like, I wonder if they changed that in the game, or... Like, yeah. I, I wonder if uh, it was just a miscommunication between Lucasfilm and Freed, or if it was like we were going to do Nebulon Bs as the big capital mm-hmm. ship, but then swapped it out. And I don't know. Yeah, or it might have even just been that like the the MC seventy five in Squadrons hadn't been named yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Or the seventy five in Squadrons gets destroyed, and then they just name a, a Nebulon B after it. I was really hoping before I read this book um, that the Lodestar would appear in Star Wars Squadrons. I mean, it, it could still happen because we don't I know. I think it probably will. You think it will? Oh, wait, no. it's Yeah, you're right. It yeah, it got up. blown up. <laughs> so I guess we haven't uh, said it explicitly, but there is a fair amount of tie-in between Squadrons and this book. Like Vanguard Squadron comes up in uh, in Shadowfall, and it's also the squadron mm-hmm. that you play as. It's like the main story squadron in Squadrons. Uh, in case anyone's not sure what the hell we're talking about, yeah, Squadrons is a video game. If you're not, pl- if you don't know, like uh, it's set in the Star Wars universe, and Star yeah. Wars takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay, yeah. well, I was just trying to clarify things for the listeners. No, no, I, I was actually clarifying too. <laughs> and I was we just said Squadrons <laughs> a bunch of time, but there's definitely at least somebody listening who doesn't know what that is. Yeah, well, I think like Vanguard Squadron is kind of the big connection there, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people may not remember from the trailers and everything that that is the Squadron Squadron. So, yeah. is it before we or after? Hera as well? We don't. I don't think we right. know yet, do we, Alex? Uh, I think it's probably going to be concurrent. I yeah. mean, Hera leaves mm-hmm. uh, it, it, near the start of this book or the middle of the book to go do something and they mention vanguard squadrons top secret mission so yeah mm-hmm. i think she's gonna go she will appear in squadrons and then maybe at the end uh 
they'll have Vanguard go off and help Alphabet Squadron. I doubt we're actually going to see that mission play out yeah. in the game, but it could just be like a, all right, on to the next thing. Here we go. Yeah. Um, I guess needs hold on. So that was actually kind of going back to what I was saying was my one main gripe with the book earlier. Uh, was As soon as Hera left uh, and wasn't going to be there for the battle, it felt kind of obvious to me that something pretty bad was going to happen to Lodestar because yeah. they there was no other real reason for Hera to leave other than maybe give Will command. But if Will is going to get command of any part of the overall mission, then you kind of need the captain out of the way as well. So, yeah. That, yeah. I don't know if yeah. it was going to leave or if it was going to explode, but I felt one of those two things would happen. And then Hera leaving means that it they're not going to do the same thing twice. Like, Lodestar isn't just going to leave as well. But... I mean, I definitely think that's just a downfall, a downside of a big old mixed media shared universe where it's cool when you have all these connections, but also it's like, okay, because I know this happened in this story, I can pretty much see what's going to happen over here. Kill some of that tension. Kind of like that's part of the reason I didn't really like throwing alliances or treason where it's like, okay, this takes place over the course of the week or a couple days where Thrawn goes missing in Star Wars Rebels. So, like, how much can really exactly. happen here? <laughs> You're not worried about that. Are you, are you worried about that with High Republic, Alex? Not really. I mean, no. that, to me, seems like it's so far removed. It's something that even Legends didn't really touch, that mm-hmm. it, it could be anything. And we're going to get all these new characters, except I'm sure Yoda and Yaddle might pop up. But... Uh, I think we're going to focus on new characters, and I think we're going to see a very different Jedi Order. So Mm -hmm. I'm very hopeful for the High Republic. I guess, yeah, I'm starting to feel that way now. I guess my initial thoughts when it came out was that what kind of galaxy-shaking event can happen? It's, what, 300 years before Phantom Menace? I think 200. 200? I guess I was just kind of thinking what sort of galaxy-shaking event can happen 200 years that's like there's... And I guess they can, they'll add in traces of it later, but that's not kind of, you know. Well, I kind of get the gist that, uh, yeah, 200, just double-checked. I kind of think it's going to be maybe not hugely significant for the galaxy, but more the Jedi. Like, what Mm -hmm. we've seen of the Jedi, they look so different. Uh, They look so flashy. I think we're going to see kind of something happen where they're like, oh, we got to change the way we're doing things. Mm-hmm. When maybe they don't have to, but they, it's going to be the start of their decline into mm-hmm. where they've kind of lost their way in the prequel era. Uh, so, so I think it's going to be something more intimate and focused on the Jedi Order. Do you think the Sith are going to be involved? Like, will there be a Sith Lord behind the scenes here? Uh, maybe. I kind of... I hope they're not in charge of, like the big bad like i hope mm-hmm. the nile are kind of their own thing yeah. but i also think it would be really fun to see what the sith are up to at this point in time because i really love cat and mouse style stories mm-hmm. so the sith at this point are like okay there's only two of us yeah. and we got to be careful so i'd really love it if they were trying to do something and then like the jedi start to look over at them and they're like oh run away like we can't <laughs> be seen <laughs> yeah I, I think there's some really cool storytelling to explore there if it's anything like um 
legends. Plagueis would probably be one of them by then, I think. Um, because we know uh, that he was, uh, they, they say that he's been apprenticed to Tenebris for longer than most humans live, so he could be, or he might not be. be like a brand new baby. Yeah. It's like, and they don't, they haven't said who or what Plagueis is yeah, exactly. exactly in canon. Like he's Snoke, actually. <laughs> yeah. This was pretty clearly his It's like, I think, I think they'd probably try to keep him immune if yeah, they I could. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but I'll, it'll be interesting if they ever bring him back up. I'll be surprised if uh, Tenebris is the same. And we know that the um, the other episode nine that we didn't get was going to have Plagueis' master in it. Um, and it wasn't Tenebris. It was something. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. what <laughs> yeah. The guy that looks like a Zepho. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My hope for something Sith related in that period, because it's going to be a bunch of different things coming out, would be kind of a book like Plagueis, where mm -hmm. uh, there's not really a direct confrontation between uh, Plague. Like, it, there's elements of that, but they're not necessarily. It's showing the Sith influence on what's going on without yeah. making Plagueis and uh tenebris or palpatine kind of the ones that need to be stopped for what's going on mm -hmm. uh so keeping them in the background like that while having a book focused on them is definitely possible it's something we've seen before and i think that would be really cool to get while still keeping the hill in their own little area mm -hmm. i think that's yeah different enough like uh, yeah. what i'm excited about the high republic is it'll be different and we're gonna get like these space viking people and that's yeah. just different than the jedi fighting people with red lightsabers, mm -hmm. whether there's two or a thousand of them. Uh, it, it's just something we haven't seen before. Yeah. But I still, yeah, I uh, totally agree. We had agree. Space Vikings in Star Wars Legends. They were called the Tau. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> and they were beautiful. If they bring the Nagai and Toph back, that'd just be... be wild. That's probably the thing I would least expect. No, Abominor. It, it's the Abominor. I did a video on the Abominor the other day, and I watched the entire uh, droids, the droids little short movie that they're in. <laughs> He's the, on Vongart mentioned once in this. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? On oh, my backstory. <laughs> He's just an angry furnace. <laughs> I would have told you a couple years ago, it's like, oh, well, they're never going to bring that like living mountain back. And then they kind of did in the Star Wars comics, so never say never. Yeah. Yeah. Jackson's back. Um, lots of Jackson old... came back. I don't no, even know if the... you're joking. No, no he's the... been back for a while. Yeah, how did I miss that? He oh, was in. God. He's mostly been in Star Wars Adventures. Yeah. So it's like the the kids' comic anyway. Okay, that that's probably how. Alex, what's the uh, canon take on Artolan feet? Who? Uh, the the blue elephant man. Do they have two feet and legs, or is it oh, just... Oh, Ortolans. Uh, Ortolans, yeah. Th that's just... I've seen them both ways, but the most I've seen them are two legs and no arms. So, okay. hold on. <laughs> so, th this is no longer canon. It's more of a... It's more of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I'm a little behind on video, but I'm looking forward to whatever you just did. <laughs> I, just, I just happen to have... Uh, Max Rebo sitting behind me on oh, my yeah, piano. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, yeah. Just... Well, you've got multiple Max Rebos back there. Yeah. Nice. It's it's If I'm going to have my piano, i got to have the best piano player there to inspire me. Hmm. I like Do that. you play with your feet as well? or? Uh, 
not well, but I do I do aspire to be everything. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just not living up to his example. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's just looking at you Max and disappointed. Just hanging dong on that piano like all day. <laughs> well, no, the the Ortolan genitalia is the nose. <laughs> I guess that's why I was so enamored by him. <laughs> How did you away. do that whole video and not bring that up, Eck? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably my favorite video I've ever done. <laughs> the disturbing secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, Luke the beginning. Still doesn't want you to know. It's like in the foul bowels of Jabba's dark palace. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much time editing that too to make it look creepy, like I would make him red outlined and stuff. It was good. <laughs> So, are you guys firmly on the Irika's back being Imperial train? I'm not firmly on it, but I, I do think, yeah, I think she's going to die in the next book, and she'll die as a maybe in some sort of sacrifice. But I, I think don't, that's all that she can really do. I, don't I know. really hope it doesn't go that direction because Star Wars Me has too. enough dead people who needed to be redeemed, and then yeah, they're dead. Yeah, like I, I want Erica to keep on because she is. Like mm-hmm. the defector that, and there's pl- been plenty of imperial defectors, but this is the one where it was like she was almost pushed into it, and now she's going back, and that's very rare to see. Yeah, uh, I would love for her to actually get some redemption and actually survive, because I really want like someone has to do it. Yeah. Someone mm-hmm. has to show us, and she's what been it means. yeah. Like so far, this has been my favorite attempt by Star Wars to do a redemption arc. Because you're kind mm-hmm. of seeing what her internal thought process is, going from the guilt, denial, struggling to find her way in without having to own up to what she did, and now kind of getting this realization that they know I have to own up to it somehow. So if she just dies, I feel like that would be a huge lost opportunity to explore something that Star Wars has not been good at exploring. And I, I just really hope... Because you, you haven't read my Jason Solo fanfic yet. You know Jason is my dead. favorite Star Wars character, so I read all the Jason Solo <laughs> fan fiction, but... I don't know, like, I guess for me, maybe it's... I guess what I was trying to say is maybe it's she doesn't get fully redeemed, like... I don't know, maybe she doesn't ever find peace. That's kind of dark, but I mean... But that that like, would be more... Re- like, that would be a fine way to do it if she's living that way, but we've had plenty mm-hmm. of Star Wars characters who maybe did something nice then they died but they never really had to come to terms with the terrible mm-hmm. shit they've done or never had to like at least Erica at this yeah like Erica has had to look at the people she's hurt to some extent or people who knew what she did and have that even after she's defected whereas Vader uh he's got that minute or two with Luke where Luke has forgiven him but he's never had to spend any time with other rebel soldiers or civilians of the galaxy and kind of the same thing with ben where uh where ray kind of forgives him but you don't see what everyone else thinks about it and yurika at least had to stand in front of will nath chas Mm. and she started just kind of taking whatever they gave her and that's at least a good first step that vader never had to take and yeah. we almost got that with uh, some of the Force Ghost appearances in like Trusa Bakura, but Vader's take there was like, uh, Leo, Luke likes me, why don't you? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. You, yeah. you, you convince me. <laughs> Don't want to fight about it. I'm way too passionate about this. It's kind of creeped me out and making me feel a little I, awkward for I'm, all the listeners. I am Get really looking board. forward to this third book. And I, yeah, me too. I just hope Erica doesn't die that way. So I feel like there's okay. a lot of potential with that. What are you uh, yeah. hoping for the other characters? Like, Nath had a bit of a transition in this book, too. Like, a more quiet one. Um, he became a little bit less self-centered, I guess. Because he had the opportunity to run. He has all his money. Um, but he didn't. Yeah, I like seeing him warm up to Will more and more. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. Like, Will, again, is my favorite. Um, I'm scared for him. Like, that feels... Uh, something I, I've taken some improv classes and something they teach us for a scene in storytelling is like, ask yourself how to make this worse. And yeah. so I see myself doing that. Like when I read a book, I'm like, God, what is the worst thing that could happen? Will could die. Uh, so I'm like terrified of that, but I'm also, I don't want to see him kind of lose what makes him will. I don't want him to become so jaded that like, he feels like he can't go home, which is something he's wanted this whole time or, uh, lose that bit of him that wants to try to save lives on both sides uh that that's my biggest worry i think mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah. like nath a lot of his story is probably going to end up being quieter like going from being this selfish person who's getting to know these people because of what they can give him uh so i don't know that we'll get too much big stuff there he's kind of there as a mentor for will now he's probably mm -hmm. my biggest like if I were to pick one of the four or one of the five, I always forget Kairos as a character to die. I'd probably pick Nath. Uh, and then Will, I feel like his is more going to be, he wants so much to go home, but he's also the kind of person that would never go home while there's still other people fighting. And I, I think that's going to kind of be what his life is where he, Everything's just going to be, this is my one last mission, but then, oh, they're still doing <laughs> yeah. this. So did one more mission, mm -hmm. and then 60 years later, he's new Wedge. On Exegol. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a good point. And you you brought up Kairos, and I kind of like shrugged, because she was she really got the short end of the stick in this book. Uh, yeah. I, I was looking forward to learning more about her, and I think now that uh, Karen and Ito are gone that'll affect her a and hopefully we get to see a lot more mm -hmm. of her in book three and learn a lot more about her mm -hmm. yeah i mean she did have a few cool moments like she she went berserk on the empire a few times um it's just she she was mostly healing for yeah. like yeah. all of the i i feel like she didn't really get an arc the way everyone else did yeah no and she had a kind of a surprising arc in the first book as well um mm -hmm. so yeah you're right about that I'm sure we'll get something juicy with her next book, besides having a weird face, which we all knew. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like uh, Freed has this whole thing planned out, which I yeah. fully appreciate. Yeah, uh, so I I trust that yeah. Kairos has plenty more to do. Yeah, I think now with Karen and Ito gone, where it was just easing mm -hmm. into the little bits of her backstory we know there, she kind of takes everything, all the roles that trio was doing and so any resolution to their storyline will have to come from Kairos. Uh, yeah. So I I do think that we're going to get a lot more Kairos. Maybe she'll actually say words more often now. But I thought um, when when they were in that cult place, and there was they described someone as being wrapped up in 
with tubing and stuff, and it ended up being an Imperial pilot. I thought they were talking about Kairos at yeah, first. Yeah, me too. Um, I thought it was like that was another person they'd rescued because now it's still not entirely clear where mm. Kairos is or was, yeah. unless she yeah. like did Hera bring Kairos with her? Yeah. Um, that reminded me too when Karen sends out that message. That would have been an easy way for I think a lesser book to have just kind of dealt with Erica's guilt like thrust it out into the open and then it's like okay that plot is removed so i'm kind of happy that there's like multiple levels to her betrayal because not only did she stick around for operation cinder she never really left um and just you know no one magically forgave her right away she didn't come in and save everyone she had to freaking leave yeah i was getting prepared for like will to just say oh you did all this bad stuff but hugs we forgive you and it would have been really easy to just do that have them stay as this happy family and try to just put it on the the bonding they did in the previous book but i'm again really glad that we're following this arc through to a different conclusion that actually makes erica go and face what she did to some extent whether that's her turning away from it or actually trying to do something about it is Mm -hmm. still up in the air but i think both of those are much better options than just saying oh well you helped this last book so we're good friends now yeah (laughs) i was on like a little bit surprised that uh will was fully on board like shunning erica and i was i was happy about it like he does have limits yeah uh, Mm -hmm. for like maybe not everyone is good well when they all thought she was dead i thought the reactions that they all had were really good character moments mm-hmm. for them almost where Nath it's like, yeah, she's dead, but who really hasn't done terrible things? If yeah. Chas and Will want to shun her, great. Uh, but with Will, it's he now with her gone, he's not going to have this opportunity to condemn her or forgive her. And I, mm-hmm. I forget what the line was, but there was a point where he was thinking about that. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. And then even Chas is like, she kind of despite herself, feels sad i slept in her bunk (laughs) yeah well she's like you know she betrayed us but she can't help but kind of feel a little bit sad Mm -hmm. speaking of sad how about uh ito's death what do you guys think about that oh i liked the way that they kind of eased into it Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. him like uh sticking her with the needle (laughs) yeah yeah and she's like what are you doing and it's like well (laughs) it's yeah it's helping it's uh it's feeding off a pain and stuff. So I'm just Mm -hmm. helping and slowly realizing that he's just fully reverted to like, I'm a torture droid. (laughs) I need torturing. Yeah. That's my favorite part of either book so far. At first I was thinking, why is this section taking so long? Like just let her in the thing. But then like, I I didn't even realize what was happening. And then we got that and it it was, it was just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I quite liked ITO too, especially at the end of the first book. Like, Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, we're friends. And I also like how Erica had a moment where she regretted how she treated her first droid. Yeah. yeah. She was like, he was a real bro at the end of the day. And I'm like, yeah, he <laughs> was. Like, <laughs> I do like that ITO got shut down by sticking in essentially a corrupted flash drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like, guess what? I didn't safely eject this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was probably my favorite character, so I'm... I am kind of sad about that. I don't think their plan to leave Cairn off in the middle of the desert was a good one. 
it wasn't a good one but like one thing this book did really well actually is it put the characters in very very desperate unpleasant situations mm-hmm. like there's the bit where uh they're on that planet and they're just like exhausted and you know the book does a really good job of kind of transferring that to the reader um and then there's other people in the underground on the big city world Chaz is stuck in the uh cult so I think it did a good job of making them seem very desperate and hard done by for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, you want to contribute? No, I thought Alex had something to say about the previous point, so I was just going to let him go with that. But no, no, I just I just agree. Okay. <laughs> all right, we took a vote. We are, we're all on the same page. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> the only thing I guess I want to say is I did like the the first third of the book, which was kind of just purely about occupying and taking the planet. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was like a realistic, well, not realistic, but it, for the Star Wars universe, I thought it was an, a logical thing for like a battle group of that size to do. Um, it does always feel weird to me when there's like 10 X-Wings responsible for holding this like whole system with like an Ecumenopolis on it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's just a classic like issue of scaling i guess i i was surprised at how prevalent this book got to be at some points where like they're seeing uh riots in the streets because mm-hmm. there's no real strong leadership and uh the <laughs> civilians are going crazy and uh I, I was also really taken aback at how like so this whole system is orbiting a black hole Mm-hmm. And it's like, this place is going to die. Why do we mm-hmm. care yeah. that much? Yeah, and true. I was like, oh, kind of like, you know, our planet, which <laughs> is like falling apart. But yeah. like, that's just, that's your home. And that's mm-hmm. people want to stay there. So mm-hmm. there, there were a lot of stuff. And there was a lot of stuff in this book that really made me go like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, a lot of good parallels that were interesting. Well, and like the Imperial it- leadership was just... Uh, you have Keys wondering the whole time, like, who, who was this person before she became the governor? It's like yeah. random, someone's random secretary that just felt like they could step up and take control in a really messy situation. I was waiting for there to be a lovemaking scene between them. You're waiting for that with everything, though. Ever since yeah. he read Lost Stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the horniest, but horniest Star Wars book of all time, like, by far. I give it ten stack bolts. <laughs> but really, though, like the, the the first third of that book, or no, not even the first third. The first two thirds of that book is just like, hey, they're gonna bang when they're older, and like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. When they go back and bang in all their childhood places, it's like, come on, very horny. That that book turned me into a uh, little teenage girl. I was like, I'm into this. Me too. I, I ship was... Thane and Cyanna so hard. When when you started that by saying that book turned me, I wasn't sure where you were going to go with the next word. <laughs> turned me. Rock hard the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I, quote. I don't know what our episode on Lost Stars is going to be like now, Justin. <laughs> Let's just read it to each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Alex is coming back for that one. Corey insisted he be off camera. This whole episode be, turns back on for a second, just sweating profusely. <laughs> oh, damn, that was hot. 
Uh, we haven't gotten Thane and Cyanas anything else from them, have we? Uh, there was one reference book that mentioned Thane. He discovered Dakar. That's oh, it. epic. It's <laughs> all we got. Mm, Not I'm everyone sure can happy. be of galactic significance. Sometimes it's nice that they just go off into the sunset. I, I, I Bang didn't off into the sunset. But they, they like. I, well, actually, we won't spoil it for you because you haven't read it yet. Have no, you, I haven't. Okay. All right, cool. They bang. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not hidden very well. The first time (laughs) they appear is not children, and they have that little cave they're in. You're like, it's gonna happen. (laughs) We should. We'll read that soon because it is a really, really good book. It's very good. Yeah, I've only heard good things, and now I've heard a mix of good and horny things about it. So it's romance with Star Wars happening in the background, basically. (laughs) Um. Well, isn't one of the uh, 17 upcoming shows being made by uh, someone who primarily has done like rom-coms before? So maybe we'll get like Lost Stars, the TV show. I mean, Lost Stars even had like a a manga adaptation, I believe. Hmm. Like, is it? it it's oh, yeah, really. It yeah. It's got its own so subsection one... for affinity. <laughs> No, there's that one ship, uh, that one shot from the manga where it's an Imperial fleet and there's like a hundred superstar destroyers. <laughs> it's really funny. So, so I, love, I love that you pissed. noticed stuff like that. I never, ever so, would. <laughs> someone sent that to me in like 2018, just furious about it. They're like, they should be star destroyers, not super star destroyers. Because there's literally just like 30 on... It's like a small Imperial battle group meets. <laughs> no, that like that is a small group by Star Destroyers. by Dark Empire standards. I don't know what the different what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> See if I can find it. Lost stars. So now for every episode, Justin, you need to submit your list of words that you control F in each ebook. Honestly, that's pretty fun. That is fun, actually. I, I will do that. Also here, I'm gonna share. Jeez, fucking trouble with that word, didn't I? Hold on. I'll put it in the YouTube chat if you guys have that open. All right, and I think. Uh, well, it didn't work. Well, good job. Uh, I think I only no. mentioned it to UEC, but uh, we normally do emails at the end of the show since we have Alex here. I think there were two emails that we got that were specifically about the book. I don't know if you have that open, Justin, uh, if know. you want to read those two questions out. Uh, I just said I don't have it open, Corey. Well, like, why the fuck would you put me on the spot like that? Well, I was going to talk some more while you had time to open it because right, we're okay, professionals. Okay. Not really. and Because I can't open it right now because I'm filming my... Or I'm not filming. It's not 1996. I'm recording my Discord on the other screen, so I can't... I can't open it. This is all on you. Uh, I okay. hope that's been enough time for you to open the two emails. Uh, it's wanting me to put a password in and verify. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Uh, okay. <laughs> I got to open on my phone. So we will do the other email questions because it's been a few weeks on the next episode that we do because that's going to be uh, the whole re-ranking. Uh, that probably won't be super long. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to repeat two questions on Alphabet Squadron here. Do you have any final thoughts on the book before we get to those questions, though, Alex? I like it. I look forward to the next one. Um, They're actually putting that on the cover of the next book. (laughs) I I, I hope so. I'll send that. The book that Star Wars Explained is saying. I I got your tagline. Looking forward to. 
It's a book <laughs> from Star Wars Explained. That's all. Uh, I just sent you that picture, by the way, Corey. No, I mean, I really like these characters. I uh, am excited to know that the next one is going to be a more expansive tale. It feels like Jesus it'll Christ. be a better balance between, yeah, just character work and mm-hmm. uh, a big, a bigger Star Wars story that I appreciate. If you can hear my dog uh, <laughs> chewing, Sounds cute, uh, I apologize, but he's just going to town on <laughs> uh, on a Getting an antler down there. All good. For me, I will say, I don't know, I guess we'll do all three of us. Um, I went into the series very negative. I read the read the book at first, I didn't like it. I got about a third of the way through um, Alphabet Squadron. I didn't like it. I was like, Corey, this is painful. But this book especially really turned me around. So, GG, Alexander Freed. Appreciate you. Hope you didn't get too offended by me not liking your book for a while. Corey? Yeah, when uh, we first said we were going to do Alphabet Squad for two episodes ago, like you kept saying, eh, it's not that good. So I went in with low expectations, but I really liked the first one. I really liked this one. And uh, I think the third book might be the thing, the other than Squadrons, the Star Wars thing that I'm most looking forward to right now. Uh, or the Nando? Yeah, actually. Interesting. Uh, like I am looking forward to the Mandalorian, but some of what we know about it has kind of lowered my expectations a bit. Uh, but that's probably more for a different episode, but yeah, like I, I really like what's going on with the story here. Some of the parts that I found a bit weaker in the first one, uh, definitely got improved upon or shored up in this one. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good places the story can go and, doing stuff that I think Star Wars has not done super well before, like I was talking about with the Redemption arc, that mm-hmm. we seem to be on the right track with it. So, yeah, that's kind of my takeaway from the from the series so far. And if Delray wants epic. to tell me tomorrow when it's going to be coming out, then I would appreciate that. Uh, okay. So we've got a few questions for Alex here. Um, first is from Justin, who asks, Alex... X said you completely wiped out his squadron at one point in Star Wars Squadrons. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Cool. You can watch it at uh, Star Wars Explained YouTube channel. There's my footage. Happened one time. Probably won't happen again. Um, <laughs> the next one is from Callum. He's got a few questions, which I'll include. I'll just have Alex answer them, I guess. Because... Well, did Mark actually come up with a name for us all to have to use for squadrons yet? Because I don't think any of us really care I that like, much. I um... like... Alex, you you sent me a good idea. I think Grog Squadron. It, yeah, Grog Squadron sounded. Uh, I fun. like that a lot. Uh, we we I'm fine have a it. couple beers, have a couple grogs. We go for a fly. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> All right, uh, boys, let's go for a rip. I Grab think I drink room. better when I fly. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you can't smoke a dart and fly an X-ray at the same time. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> Only if you're a Tie pilot. Uh, yeah, rebels can do it all they want. So the first question from Callum, does, do any of you get slightly annoyed whenever a book states that Nebula and B carries fighters, but we've never seen it? I do think about that most times. Um, they're well, it's usually got the described as being like, attached stuff. to yeah, the... Yeah, we've seen that. Well, they're described as leaving a hangar in... Um, I mean, hangar doesn't have to be inside. have coat hangers and stuff. It's basically... It's more like that. I it's wonder if Alexander Freed 
wrote like Nebulon B and meant to like control F find replace <laughs> with MC seventy five at some point and just forgot. <laughs> um, he meant to do it with awful. risk actually. <laughs> Here's another one for you, Alex. Um, also, you guys, Alex usually only responds to fans if you pay him money. So let's say big thanks to the only Star Wars podcast on the block, Tap Calf Transmissions, for getting him on. Uh, we're footing the bill for this one. Uh, Alex, okay. do you think it's good that Star Wars canon has limited the number of clones of Palpatine in the clone <laughs> I army? I know how this ends. Yeah. <laughs> there's no safe pestage clone. There's no safe pestage, Isard, Thrawn, Luke clone, etc. Your thoughts that on that? That we know of. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not a fan of... Uh clones outside of clone troopers uh mm -hmm. cloning main characters is so frustrating mm -hmm. yeah i agree also um, did you say i'm not getting paid for this did i no i said we footed, i said we yeah. footed the bill <laughs> yeah um we, we only also... pay in chuck e cheese tokens unfortunately <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't they just go bankrupt oh no <laughs> look let's not let's not think too hard of it can't believe yeah. i signed that contract <laughs> You gotta offload them somehow, buddy. <laughs> also, I was looking for your uh, advice on a business proposal um, that Corey and I have been thinking over. Um, it, it's gonna be really big for the podcast. Basically, someone reached out to us and asked us if we would make a promotion for product. Um, just product. It's not we. That's the name. And uh -huh. I'm just wondering if you think that would be a good idea. Just product. Honestly, that sounds like a fun, like big YouTube collaboration to be like to, to get all of those like form emails that you get sent <laughs> and like, yeah, we'll all do a video for product. Yeah. Yeah. We we were asked to talk about product for a minute and a half when we get sixteen hundred dollars and we did, but they never sent us the check. And yeah. We're doing it again. So we, we'll give you a third like of it for this now. one. Well, did you show product on the screen? There's many products on the screen. Like that's a product. <laughs> that's a product. You're that's surrounded true. by product. It's product in and around my hair. Like it's. I don't know what what more they want from us. I'm I about to sue them. Are you gonna tell me this doesn't sound legit? Good day. I'm a representative of an advertising company. Like, <laughs> who wouldn't start an email like that? Our company needs to advertise the product on the YouTube platform, and your channel is suitable for this. That sounds legit. I don't know why you guys aren't just rolling in money. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to thank you, Alex, for joining us on the show. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything that you're excited about? Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to uh... plug something a little weird. Uh, so I mentioned I take improv classes. It's a local Atlanta company, and uh, they're having their 25th anniversary next Friday and Saturday. So they're doing a 25-hour live stream. Jesus. Uh, at dad uh, twitch.tv slash dad's garage atl uh, i'm actually wearing their shirt from a play they did called wicket uh it was a musical based on wicked but about ewoks they do a lot of <laughs> star wars shows actually so i work with them quite a bit but they're wonderful people and uh, i'll be on the live stream occasionally so uh come hang out support Sweet. us if you like what you see you say that one more time just for uh yeah. we'll put it in the description of the podcast as well uh, twitch.tv slash dad's garage atl and that will be on august uh 7th and 8th sweet and i'm sure 
you guys also follow Alex on Twitter at Star Wars Explained or his YouTube channel, I'm sure there will be more um, notifying of that in the future. There will be. Also, also, let me just say, Alex, you are just barely wearing that shirt. You're almost busting through it. <laughs> Every time I see Alex, it gets more and more jacked. So I'm, I'm not, nice not even saying. Getting into Lost Stars territory here, Justin. <laughs> Join me in my cave, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's share a bunk together. Shit. <laughs> All right, guys, this going to be it for the podcast. I got stuff to do. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, though, thanks again, Alex, for uh, for joining us. I got to say, you are the favorite, or my, my favorite guest for this podcast. Oh, definitely <laughs> everyone's favorite guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lead us out, Corey. I I just don't feel like there was anything better I can say than what's already been said after such a long emotional journey through this podcast. And we, we've learned a lot about each other. This is normally when Justin would just cut off the